Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Denver, Colorado, it's time for Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Now, here are your hosts. All right, everybody, welcome to another Franchise Bible Coach Radio podcast with Rick and Rob. I'm Rick Grossman, and I'll be your co-host today. And I'm going to introduce my co-host, Rob Ganley, in just a moment. Uh, But today, folks, we have an exciting show. We have some uh, special guests that are going to share some insights with you uh, that I think will be interesting. It's a a unique uh, kind of overview of how creative entrepreneurs can be. So uh, with no further ado, uh, we're going to invite Paul Flick. He is the founder and CEO of Premium Service Brands out of Charlottesville, Virginia. And we have Kyle Scalario, who's the co-head of Susquehanna Private Capital, which we're going to call SPC from now on, just because it's easier to say, and in Philly, uh, Philadelphia. So I'll go ahead and turn it over to Rob, have him introduce himself and get the show started. Welcome, everybody. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Um, Again, I just want to thank our support, our supporters, Entrepreneur Magazine, and uh, and, uh, the team that uh, helps with Franchise Bible. Uh, So thank you. Um, and, and guys, I want to jump right in because we have a lot to talk about and it's great to have you on the show today. Uh, one of the first things I love to start with is really letting the listeners know a little bit more about not only both of you gentlemen, but how your partnership came to be and, and why. So a little bit of a background question, but maybe start with you, Paul, and uh, just tell us a little bit about premium service brands and tell us a little more about this partnership. Sure. Uh, Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rick. Uh, As far as premium service brands goes, we currently have seven different franchise brands, uh, all in the home service industry, all focused on the same end user. And that sort of has been our strategy is to really leverage that end user. Uh, The same person or homeowner that has a company paint their house is the same homeowner that's going to have somebody uh, hire a company to clean their house. So the more we can provide a great customer service and experience and leverage that that end user uh, by providing leads to our franchise partner with no customer acquisition costs makes for a great partnership. Uh, We continue to uh, expand and get into other industry lines. And historically, we all started with 360 painting. Uh, it is our currently our biggest brand, uh, and throughout the years, I've either started them organically or I've acquired them. Uh, and acquiring little brands, whether it had three or four franchise partners in it or 23 or 24, that was about my financial bandwidth. And not always is doing an acquisition with two or three franchise brands the easiest thing to do. Um, it's a lot of heavy lifting. It continues to be a black hole for, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of investments that have to be made in those brands to support our franchise partners. Um, so I was first introduced to Kyle. I think, I think it was just by phone. I think, uh, Kyle and I were on the phone and we were chatting, uh, and, and I get quite a few calls, but you know, Susquehanna is really different than a private equity firm. And that's what really appealed to me is, uh, number one is their outlook on business. It doesn't necessarily have to be timed with providing investor capital uh, back to, uh, say, a family endowment or um, another source of funding because they're self-funded. Uh, so their timeline doesn't necessarily have to be four, five, six years. And that was very important to me 
because I wanted to make long-term decisions and investments based on what is was in the best interest of the franchise partners in the system. And then the second reason was Kyle himself. I mean, for I just clicked. I felt comfortable with Kyle. Uh, you know, and during this whole due diligence would lasted way longer than uh, either of us had thought of and took lots of different turns at times. Uh, he was a steady hand through the whole thing. So during the due diligence, it really validated my gut feel on the relationship I had with Kyle and his team. So that's how it all sort of came about. That's amazing. That's great to hear. Kyle, you want to share a little bit about, about your side of it? Sure. So um, as Rick mentioned, I'm a co-head of Susquehanna Private Capital. And as Paul alluded to, we're sort of a non-traditional private equity investor, non-traditional in the sense that we, uh, unlike most private equity funds, don't have traditional outside capital. We're not investing endowments of colleges or pension fund money or, or even sort of a conglomerate of wealthy individuals. We are self-funded. We're part of a bigger privately held company and thus are inherently more flexible. And that flexibility tends to play out in a variety of ways, but probably the way that matters most to folks like Paul and other entrepreneurs is around time horizon. We have no clearly defined time horizon. Uh, we can be investors in a business as long or as short as our partners would like. We focus exclusively on businesses that are owned by entrepreneurs and we exclusively focus on partnering with management teams, folks like Paul and his team. Uh, we don't buy from other private equity firms. And, and the reason that is the case is because our flexibility and our differentiation really is only relevant to founders and entrepreneurs. It doesn't tend to be a deciding factor if we're you know, investing in companies that are already owned by other private equity firms. So to that end, our tagline is your company, your timeline. And it's that's really been kind of the brand ethos we've espoused. And one of the other things that we do that's a bit different is you know, not all of our investments are control investments. We have non-control investments, minority investments, and that tends to be a little bit unusual in the lower middle market space. And uh, you know, one of the areas which we focus from an industry perspective is franchising. We spend a lot of time in and around the franchise space. Uh, I have a lot of experience there. So, uh, you know, Paul Paul gave a, a version of the story that was very friendly, but the the truth is, I probably was hounding him via email before he finally agreed to get on the phone with me. And you know, I don't know how many emails of mine he ignored before uh, he, he, I finally uh, beat him into submission uh, you know, with spam. And then he was willing to talk to me. So um, j just as the case is, you know, as Paul said, you know, part of our due diligence process is feeling comfortable with folks on the other side of the table. I, I, I tell people this all the time. We look at 1,200 potential investments a year. We probably make two or three. And you know, one of the biggest criteria, and, and primarily why deals fall out of the out of the funnel, if you will, is because of you know how we click with management. Like because we have no clearly defined timeline, and oftentimes we're not the control party. We have to feel that much more comfortable with those that are on the other side of the table with which we partner, or else it's a really bad marriage. And so a big part of our vetting process is kind of that personality and cultural fit. And, you know, from my vantage point, the fit with Paul is sort of immediate and obvious. And there's a lot of ways that, you know, I think we can be helpful, you know, to him and, you know, implementing his vision and sort of achieving his goals. So, um, you know, we're very excited to be part of the team. Yeah, I, I, real quick, and I know Rick is going to follow up here, but just the, the thought of what you just said of, of 
And I know that's, that's how, you, you know, a, a business model like you functions, right? To, to really be able to evaluate lots of things, you know, efficiently and really zero in on the, on the key things. To say two or three out of twelve hundred, Paul, that's that puts you in pretty good company. <laughs> so, it does. And, I'm flattered. And the fact that Kyle chased you, which by the way, we all have done, right? In our in our worlds of, of entrepreneurship. Um, I it, wish I would have called him earlier. Yeah, like uh, he must have saw something in you there. He must have seen yeah. something. That's good. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the truth is, um, you know, it be. It, it sounds like we're the selective ones when we have 1,200 opportunities and we invest in two or three companies. But um, I, I always make the analogy to it's kind of being like in high school and there's like the, the, the girl or boy that you're interested in, you're not sure if they like you back. And you know, as the investor, all you have is your money and your, your money is green and you have a sales pitch, which is that you're different. But you know, people are inherently skeptical of both. And you know, to try to figure out how to bridge that gap and convince someone that you're the right sort of steward of some portion of their business is a big decision. I mean, like it's, you know, you, you date someone for years before you marry them and a lot of times and, you know, a due diligence process is kind of inherently uh, discombobulated. You've got, you know, different parties involved, you know, lawyers and accountants and IT specialists and we're asking tons of questions, we're getting answers, but like, you know, it's, it's sort of a difficult process for someone to navigate as a seller or as a, as a business owner and to try to, to decide if you know a relationship can come out of that that's productive for both parties is not the easiest thing to determine. So, um, you know, it's it, we're probably the the salesman in the relationship more so than the companies are, despite the fact that it seems like we're super selective. Like it's you know, we're <laughs> fortunate to be selected, is kind of the way I think about it. Yeah, no, it's the right way to approach any any kind of uh, relationship like that. So, good to hear. Awesome. So. But guys, we, just so our listeners kind of understand the scope of your business currently, Paul, could you kind of give us a ballpark rundown on the number of units? Uh, you know, yeah, we're uh, yeah, you bet. We're about 240 units right now. About 30 of them are either in training or will be going to training in the next couple of months, uh, and we'll be out actively uh, running their operations. Uh, we'll do close to 100 million in system wide revenue this year. Fabulous. And is that across all brands? It is across all brands, yes. And you said that uh, the painting franchise was my was large, the largest one, correct? Yeah, I yeah, I don't know if it, yes, it is three sixty painting is the largest one. Okay. Wonderful. Well that gives us some some framework here. So gentlemen, since this is kind of a unique uh, interview because I, I don't think we've had this type of uh, this type of talent on our, our show uh, per se. So tell us more about the relationship that you guys have as far as companies and what key priorities do you hope to achieve and address through this new partnership that you have and, and, and how does it impact the future for you and your franchisees? Can we go first, Kyle, or do you want it? Uh, you can go first. Okay, so I'm, I'm super excited about the partnership. Uh, it, it brings a lot of different value to premium service brand and myself personally. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I you know run day to day and uh, you know make decisions. Um, you know, and now I have a partner that I'm accountable to that I get to bounce ideas off of. 
Uh, Kyle and his team have been in the home serving home service uh, industry and specifically franchising uh, for years. So they, they, they bring a lot of depth of knowledge and experience. Uh, and also we're going to be able to do acquisitions faster, bigger acquisitions that are not two or three franchisees, you know, that are going to be allow us to scale quicker uh, and then be able to obviously reinvest back into the system. So lots of, you know, from Kyle's experience, you know, from obviously the, the Susquehanna capital, uh, I, I'm super excited both personally and for the company in terms of what the partnership brings. Yeah, I think from my vantage point, I echo what Paul said, I think, you know, a lot of what, as you guys well know, like franchising can be a complicated industry uh, to operate within, to invest within. There's a lot of regulatory considerations, uh, a lot of implications of, of how you elect to you know, roll out your strategy with regards to fran dev and operations and so forth. And you know, a lot of lessons learned as an investor is, is through mistakes made in the past and having seen companies try different things and it not go well, or you know, it, it's, as an example, expanding internationally too quickly or sort of relying on the wrong franchise broker networks and give not vetting franchisees properly and in, in all the typical things that you see or hear people talk about. But as an investor, um, you know, seeing it in action is a lot bit different than sort of hearing someone talk about it. So I think we have a lot of experiences, Paul, reference that we can lend. And then obviously from a resource perspective, you know, we bring a lot of uh, institutional knowledge around, you know, capital structure management, you know, acquisition strategy, you know, due diligence, uh, and on all that, all those services, if you will, are ones that we offer as part of the package. You know, we we kind of I always tell people we'll do as little or as much as you want us to do, but we'll try not to be in your way. And you know that that's true. Like if you know Paul calls me up on a Tuesday and says, "Hey, can you help out with this particular initiative?" We would gladly say yes, but we're not going to you know call him up on a Tuesday and say, "Hey, make make me help you on something." Like that's not our goal is to create work. It's more so to you know, be an extension of the company, you know, where appropriate. And um, as, as Paul said, I think we're excited about all of the opportunities in front of us. You know, we're sort of on the our own five yard line of of this relationship. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I love what Paul's doing. I mean, the idea, the concept of of you know taking these these great brands and and, and fusing them together and leveraging that, you know, the, you know, creating that leverage across the brands now partnering with you guys. And I, I was just thinking, you know, it gets a little lonely at the top, right? Paul, I mean, you're, you've got all these CEOs <laughs> that are working in these different, but who do you go to, right? They go to you, right? And so it's nice to have a partner uh, to work with. And again, and as you said, I, I don't think there's anything more powerful than, than the view, that, 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 that view you have, the 100,000 foot view of, of all the things that can be tried that, take time to figure out if they work or don't. Right. And then you could see all that and know that that's invaluable for, for Paul and his, and his uh, brands. Absolutely. Uh, to me. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the future with SPC. So anyway, with that said, the future, um, we have an interesting world we live in today, right? So, um, we're getting used to the differences, but, um, we've been talking for a while and I know Paul, we've talked before, um, I, I think during the pandemic. And so we, we all feel great. I mean, the folks I speak to about the outlook of franchising, especially in home services, the growth plans, where, the, where things are headed. 
tell us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit of how do you envision your franchise development strategy uh, going forward? Yeah, obviously it's changed dramatically. You know, we would have uh, franchise prospects go through our sales process and uh, determine whether they would be a good fit and then have them in for discovery day. Uh, and there was nothing that beat having somebody here, looking them in the eyes, having dinner with them and really, you know, introducing them to the team and showing them all the systems and process and support we have in place. Uh, that changed, you know, uh, just over a year ago in March, where we went to a total virtual discovery day. Uh, and that's different. You know, it's different when somebody can just stay in front of a, a, a camera and attend a discovery day versus buying an airline ticket, investing two days and coming to Charlottesville. Uh, so that, that was a different process. Now, I feel very fortunate there. The pandemic obviously has had tragedy, tra tragic, uh, you know, effects on the tourist industry, the restaurant industry, the fitness industry. And, and we've been lucky. We've, we've had great growth in 2020. Uh, we're expecting significant growth, uh, both in system-wide sales and franchise development in 2021. Uh, our first quarter, uh, we're up 80% in franchise sales. Uh, our system-wide sales are up 47% versus last quarter of 2020. So I feel very fortunate. Um, you know, the SBA and was a, was a great su supporter during the COVID. They were obviously providing a lot of liquidity and capital uh, for franchise you know, prospects to borrow money and buy a franchise. So, you know, unlike 2008, 9, and 10, where it was a total meltdown in our industry, we've actually flourished during the COVID and the pandemic. So, so we're super excited about 2021 coming off our first quarter. And uh, our, our goal this year is to do 132 new franchise partners um, across all seven of our brands. That's amazing. Oh, that's a great goal. <laughs> awesome. Well, and when you think about, you know, you guys are both from two different perspectives of the franchise world. You're both uh, very experienced in business in the franchise world. And, and we have a lot of our listeners are just getting into franchising and they're, they're a little bit, uh, a little bit kind of uh, sorting through this new world we live in. Right. And us old guys that have been in the business know that franchising swings around and, and actually helps us get the economy back on track like no other thing. But, you know, from a couple of uh, real pros, could you guys just kind of give us what your outlook is for the franchise industry nationally and globally, uh, just to kind of give some ideas to the folks that are maybe kind of new to the business? Sure, I'm happy to kind of give my two cents and Paul can uh, agree or disagree with me. Um, you know, from our, our seat, um, you know, where, where I operate, we obviously look, we invest in franchising, we invest in other industries. The franchise industry, at least over the last 12 months, I would say has been more resilient than most of the other ones we look at. You know, we spend a fair amount of time in consumer products and uh, industrial and markets, and those have definitely experienced more uh impacts that have been more sustained. Obviously, a lot of this were impacted March, April, May of last year, and then some of that abated. Uh, but there's been long-lasting supply chain issues in other industries. So I think franchising is well positioned to recover quicker, and then a lot of recovery has already occurred, as you can see from what Paul said about his business and how it's performed in the last you know five to six months. Um, but I think from an outlook perspective, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on, on the industry. I think there's you know certain verticals, perhaps, 
will see a slower recovery than others. I think home services is you know, obviously well positioned, but I think it's not the only one that's well positioned. Uh, I think as folks get vaccinated and kind of tourism comes back and the country reopens a bit more, I think you know, franchising is well positioned to benefit. And I think you know, there's been perhaps a bit of a cultural sea change as well with more folks being accustomed to working from home, being in business for themselves. I think that's all positive you know, thematic developments for those that are selling franchises and, and prospecting you know, in that space. So I think all in all, you know, I, I have a pretty positive outlook. I think, um, you know, hopefully uh, that's sustained for more than, you know, a short period of time. And I, I believe that it will be. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's yeah, good I point. echo I echo everything, you know, Kyle has said. He, he is much more knowledgeable and adverse in, in the other franchising industries as far as home service goes. Uh, I foresee a significant growth over the next three to five years. Uh, you know, we've got a, a lot of people during COVID that moved from downtown, you know, centers out to the suburbs. Uh, home building is setting all-time records. Uh, and our our focus is that single family uh, homeowner. Uh, and so you got a lot of people working from home. I think that's going to be a trend that continues or at least a hybrid. Uh, so people will be putting more money into their homes. More people are living in the suburbs than ever before. So I, I think it's got a great outlook for the next uh, three to five years. Wonderful. That's good news, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're big believers in the concept, right? And, and, and all of us are, but the reality is, is that there are, I think, as Kyle was saying earlier, I do think there's a lot of folks in their 40s and 50s that are saying, you know, the, the traditional path is starting to, you know, be uncertain. Wouldn't it be great to get into business? And, and franchising really is that bridge to go from what you might be used to in the corporate world over to business ownership. And I think there's going to be a lot of takers, you know, going forward. And I think that's tremendous. And I, I'm looking forward to it all, you know, all, all the growth. Same. Me too. All right. So we're getting near the end of the show and I just, uh, we always like to end with uh, what we call a gold nugget. And that's just something that you can share with the audience that you consider to be a gold nugget, just something either that's tried and true in, in your in your experience, or maybe it's just what you've learned over the last um, year with all this, uh, ch- all the changes, or maybe it's just a piece of advice. If you were sitting there with somebody that was saying, what should I do to grow my franchise or what should I do to franchise my business or, or is it a good time to buy a franchise? Um, give us a gold nugget. So let's, let's start with, uh, let's start with Paul and, and get a gold nugget from you and then we'll move on to Kyle. I think, okay. Thanks Rick. I, I think what I've learned the most is doing it on your own is a lot more difficult than doing it with a partner. So if I had, if I could have answered or returned Kyle's call earlier, I would have, because doing it with somebody else, especially with the knowledge and, and uh, the, the history that SPC has and, and Kyle's team, they're an asset. And I wish I would have had that a long time ago. Wonderful. That's a good point. And I, I, we've talked about that with coaching because we do coaching on our end too. And, and it is lonely at the top, isn't it, Paul? When you're, when you're, when the buck stops with you and uh, you have to make all those decisions, it's nice to have somebody in your corner. So a coach or a company like Kyle, that's a wonderful thing to have. Good point. Okay. Kyle, golden nugget. Sure. So, um, you know, obviously as I alluded to, you know, we see a lot of opportunities 
uh, in the franchise space and, and outside of it, but within the franchise space in particular, I think the the biggest stumbling block I see for young, you know, growing franchisors is having the discipline to grow smart, not just grow fast. And what I mean by that is one of the things that attracted me to Paul is you know, how you're thinking through who joins your system. Like that first 20 or 30 franchisees is like super critical to the longevity of the system and also into attracting you know investors down the road when you're at the the scale that you want to be at to think about you know, bringing somebody into the business because that's going to be like questions one through 10 that they ask you is, well, you know, who are your franchisees? How much turnover has there been? What's their unit economics? What's the value proposition for them? You know, are there squeaky wheels? Is there litigation? Is there this or that? And all of that stuff is like part of the due diligence process, but it's, it's hard to undo a lot of that once it's yeah. been done or, or, yeah. you know, it's like one step forward, two steps back. Like you may, grow to hundred units, but now you have to go figure out how to fix 30 of them or something to that effect. So I think having the discipline to think about year five and year one is a very difficult discipline to have, but it's an important one. Wow, Kyle and, and, and Paul, both of those are gold nuggets that I can resonate with. And I, I wish that everybody could actually uh, embody that in their franchise systems because that would take care of a lot of the issues that some folks uh, encounter because uh, the reality is is that your early adopters are really critical and uh, something that I just talked about when we had our, our uh, we were interviewed by Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief for Entrepreneur Magazine on this last Monday and we were talking about the stage where you start to onboard your your early adopters or your first franchisees and how important it is to choose the right people and not just anyone that wants to buy a franchise and I referenced my uh, my mentor was Erwin Coip who was the original author of the Franchise Bible series with um, Entrepreneur Magazine, and then he handed that off to me, which was a real blessing. But when I uh, when I when I was franchising my first company, and I was a young man, I was talking to Irv about should I um, you know what's how, should I sell franchises to just anybody? And he said, "You're going to want to buy back your first ten franchises at twice the price just to see them go." And I thought that was pretty aggressive. I don't get that. And it's actually in the book. And I said, why? You know, blink, blink, young person, don't know what I'm doing. And he said, because you're going to sell them to all the wrong people. You're going to sell them to people that that are excited or, or enthusiastic, but not necessarily a good fit. So both of those are just very, very uh, important gold nuggets. So we appreciate that a lot. Well, Rob, anything else to why, before we wrap up? No, I, I was just going to comment that I think that you you either stole Kyle's playbook or he stole yours, or maybe you read the book. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what we talk about on a regular basis. Yeah, well, there are some, you know, industry best practices and proprietary strategies, but it, it you just need that playbook. You need to know how to do franchising well. You need to commit to being excellent at franchising. And it sounds like you have done that, Paul, and I, uh, I commend you for that. It looks like you have a great... Uh, partner with Kyle and his team at SPC. And I think you guys are going to be wildly successful. We look forward to seeing you uh, break records in the new brave world here. I appreciate it, Rick and Rob. Thanks for having us and um, appreciate everything. Yeah. So thank you uh, for joining us, gentlemen. And thank you uh, for listening, everyone out there in franchise land. Uh, we once again want to thank our sponsors, uh, Entrepreneur Franchise Advisors, which is our 
relationship we have with Entrepreneur Magazine and Entrepreneur.com. And just a, a shameless plug that Franchise Bible, the ninth edition, will be coming out April 20th. So you can find that on Entrepreneur.com or any of the bookstores or bookstore websites. So uh, take, the, take a look at that. It has a really neat uh, section in there from Rob this year in the marketing and technology AI section. So very good stuff. And we appreciate you for listening and uh, keep track of what we're doing with uh, our new exciting programs this year. you can learn more about it at entrepreneur.com or franchisebiblecoach.com. Thank you all. And we're going to sign off and we'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Thanks guys.